0: And gentlemen and variations thereupon. Hold to O! Yes, and what do you do? Taking a big space strike with a bunch of strangers across a diamond planet called Midnight? I shudder to think what might happen. But you said that to all the girls. If you would fasten your seatbelts, we'll be leaving any moment. Here!
1: hello and welcome to pull to open an ongoing quest to watch all of doctor who in random order i'm pete Pashel, and i'm chris
0: taylor and a happy holidays and merry christmas to all of our listeners Hey, uh, that's
1: right. It's Christmas Day when we're uploading this. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're, we're pretending it's Christmas Day. This is sort of like when, when they shoot a Doctor Who special in the middle of July. Right. And it's a Christmassy one. And we, we just have to pretend to be Christmassy in Luckily, advance. Luckily,
1: we're, we're only a week out here, so yeah, we could yeah, not... fake it pretty well. <laughs> we, we're kind of method acting here. We're kind of, we're kind of living it. Yeah. Let's imagine me carving into some beef wellington right now. You know, <laughs> some mm, candy canes good. all around my head. For those of you not watching on YouTube right now, <laughs> see that that's not the case. And I've actually had Darth of decorations in this room. I mean, um, we do
0: know from uh, the time of the Doctor that the TARDIS cooks a good turkey. Oh, so that's true. That, that's you know, that's what I'm imagining, that we're on the deck of the TARDIS. We've got the tur- turkey cooking in the Eye of Orion or whatever the heck it is that's powering that thing. And uh, yeah, and we're here to talk about our latest random episode which is somewhat holiday themed right uh which is called midnight
1: right we did not as you might expect decide to do one of the many doctor who holiday specials actually we have done that but not mm. in a comprehensive way so well it wasn't a comprehensive way and that we haven't officially done the holiday episodes but we've our very first pull to open ever yeah. was rapid fire reviewing every single Christmas episode so you can go back and go back to the first episode uh, of pull to open and get our very, very short crib note crib notes on every holiday episode. Well, we still haven't decided we, we've decided that didn't count as like doing them in the yeah. codex. So they're, they're in the codex that we haven't done them because uh, there's it's a sort lot to of family. Yeah. one.
0: It's a nice extra, and yeah. uh, maybe we can link to it directly in the show notes. Um, yes. But yeah, we, we go through them all. So if you're feeling the lack of Doctor Who on Christmas Day, uh, as <laughs> many of us do, because it's now apparently a New Year's show. We I have know. a New Year's
1: special coming up. It's on Sundays and there are New Year's specials. But for,
0: for some people, Doctor Who is all about Christmas. So go listen to that episode. We'll, we'll, we'll talk you through all the Christmas uh, hmm. that you can handle. Uh, but in the meantime let's let's talk about last week or last time on pull to open we went to the green death mm-hmm. and uh Pete apparently uh maggots are not popular on social media
1: <laughs> as it turns out what a shock yeah uh so not our most uh viewed video ever was the one about <laughs> the maggots shockingly <laughs> although people did love the um the plot summary but once we threw in some Pertwee disguises Mm-hmm we got some response. So everybody loves seeing John Pertwee ham it up with a false mustache and a terrible Welsh accent. <laughs> um, really? I
0: think what this is telling us is that, uh, before Jodie leaves, uh, she, she too has to do some cross dressing as Pertwee does in the green death. Uh, where I suddenly, suddenly Doris. picturing Jody
1: Whitaker <laughs> with Groucho glasses for some reason.
0: I'm, I'm thinking a mustache. I think it has to be a, you know, and then that that seems. This is why we should do Christmas episodes because it would not seem out of character to do something jovial in Christmas like that, like putting on a fake mustache.
1: Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I think yeah, Stephen so. Moffat once said he he deliberately goes way over the top in all of his Christmas episodes <laughs> simply because he thinks he's competing with Christmas Day. He's literally competing yes. with like the festivities, so it's just he has to make it amp up the craziness yeah your competition is literally
0: the the drunken haze that everyone (laughs) in the living room is in and everyone talking at once it's yeah that's a lot to shout over but doctor who does it very effectively um anyway yeah so the green death wasn't popular but here we are at midnight and we both have theories about why the randomizer might have taken us here yes um and uh mine's pretty straightforward (laughs) <laughs> well we'll get to that but first it's the uh, part
1: of the show that i'm dreading yeah well i'm glad you brought it up then so i don't have, <laughs> doesn't have to look like i'm sticking something in you and twisting the knife uh it is now time uh we've gotten to it in record time i think for tldw mm. which is too long doctor who too long didn't watch whatever you think it means but it is the time when we summarize the plot of the episode in <sighs> what i think is record time yeah. Um, so how we do these is that for every roughly twenty five minutes, which is a, a old episode of uh, uh, sorry an episode of old classic Doctor Who, mm-hmm. we give thirty seconds. So for most new Who episodes, we're giving a full minute. Okay, and so this is new Who. This is a David Tennant episode. It is midnight. Yep. Did we say that? Did we already say that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think we said that it was a Tennant episode. It's also I should I should mention just to stall for time. uh uh, the fact that I, I Mia Culpa, I said last time that it was a Moffat episode. It is not. It is pulled to Open's first ever episode by a writer called Russell the Davies, I think <laughs> is, is the name. And uh, yeah, so it's the randomizer's first taste of RTD.
1: Yeah, it was fun writing the show notes for this one, and right where writer and showrunner were the same person. Indeed. Um, so yes, it's an RTD. Uh, it's an RTD episode he apparently wrote in a weekend.
0: <laughs> he did. Um, I've, I've got all the details on the writing of it.
1: Um, but yeah, yeah. Let,
0: let's get this let's get this painful thing over with. Let's, all
1: right. Yes, there's lots to <sighs> go over in this one, uh, all straightforward right. as straightforward as it is. But <clears throat> let's first talk about what the heck happened here. Are you ready, all Chris? Right.
0: I am ready. Right, Can't be down. Three, two, one, and go, sir. Okay, so the Doctor's on vacation on this planet made of diamond and Donna wants to stay in and sunbathe. The Doctor goes in a space bus, the Crusader 50, in which uh, uh, there's a bunch of people there and they're they're going out to look at diamond caverns. But Shields have to be down in in the meantime. Uh, And he meets a lot of people, including a woman named Sky Silvestri, who, when the uh, bus stops and gets attacked by a mysterious creature that we never see, uh, Sky Silvestri has taken over by this creature and it starts to do this really annoying thing of talking at the same time as everyone for well repeating everyone first then talking at the same time as everyone and then sort of latching onto the doctor and and repeating everything he says only, um, and then saying stuff ahead of him. And the passengers get super paranoid. They're about to do- throw the doctor out, but the flight stewardess recognizes certain things that the doctor said in French and Italian. Uh, so she grabs Sky Sylvester and throws her out into the irradiated nightmare outside the and uh, ship.
1: Time. And that's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. It goes back to Donna. I mean, you know, that's. Yeah, that's there's it. a hug. <laughs> there's All a right. hug that's with the Donna. Donna doesn't get to say Molto bene. That's it.
1: That's right. She's, she's not allowed to repeat it anyway. Yeah. Molto bene. Um, Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Oof. Way to go. This is, is, we're getting, we're getting, we're almost on a streak here of yeah. successful TLDWs. I know. Not, not to amp up the
0: pressure for next time. But... Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to continue the streak, Pete. It's, I do. It's not to me. But um, but yeah, so so this was a 2008 episode. It's kind of, um. well, I'll, I'll just say what RTD says about it in the the updated edition of, well, I guess also the original edition of The Writer's Tale. Okay. He says he's worried that it's a thin conceit. So did you feel it was a thin
1: conceit, Pete? Hmm. Hmm. No, no. I thought this one, this one was great. Uh, honestly, like about uh, to reveal my final judgment of the episode, but uh, I thought it was super compelling. I think it holds up really, really well. Um, mm. And I think it's mostly because it's um, counter. It sort of unfolds in a almost opposite way than most Doctor Who episodes. Mm. Uh, in that, usually the Doctor comes in. Slowly but surely wins over the humans or people he's there to sort of save, and even though they're sort of killed off one by one, often that you know there's there's usually this escalating um, you know like force of good around the doctor, and you know that he's he's going to save everybody even if they're all dying around him. Whereas this time, it it more and more falls apart. Like and yeah. it just com- he he keeps trying and trying to get everyone together to face this and it just doesn't work. Nothing works and until uh, there's the final climax, um, and you just kind of like it feels a weird taste in your mouth. But it 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 mm-hmm. because it th- the cast really sells it. Like I think there was never qu- uh, quite a point. They came close a couple times, but never quite a point where I was taken out of the show. By, like, that no one would ever say that, you know what I mean? Which often happens in things like this, certainly in horror movies, that happens a lot. That didn't happen. And I thought, you know, this, did, I remember this one liking this one when it came out, and I liked it just as much, if not more, this time.
0: It's it's very much of its era, I think. Did you, did you find that? that this, uh, the sense of paranoia
1: felt very 9 11 to me and post 9 11. Yeah, like, that's fair. And if you kind of think about what was on contemporary sort of genre television at the time. This was right Mm -hmm. around when Battlestar Galactica was in probably toward getting towards the end of its run. And -hmm. it was getting a lot of sort of kudos and awards. And so there was, you know, exploring darker sides of human behavior and interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly Battlestar Galactica, very claustrophobic show throughout. And this is, I mean, if there's one adjective for midnight, it's claustrophobic.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And that sort of gets at something that I had a little bit of a problem with this time around, which is that they are very ready to throw people out of airlocks. My goodness. Right. I mean, it does, I, I know that it sort of amps up the tension and you sort of get to believing by the 30 minute mark that they will actually throw the doctor out. But it, it gets mm. that pretty down quickly. They just get super scared and they're paranoia en- enhances everyone else's paranoia and it's kind of this feedback loop going on. Um which feels like feels a little bit like a bygone era. i d I don't know if we're beyond that. If we're kind of just over that these days. But yeah, that was that was super post nine eleven y for me.
1: Yeah, it probably uh, would have fit a little bit post nine eleven probably would have fit better almost in a in a classic uh ser- series episode mm. two where People are a little more, I don't know, there, there was more simplistic attitudes, I guess, towards danger um, in a lot of those classic series episodes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this might have been a little better served. Uh, I, I don't want to say gore, but I would say like the, the threat is made clear by the loss of the people in the cabin or the 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 Mm. pilots right yeah and you also there's one other thing that does happen which is to say like physically which is to say that the door gets bent so like you kind of like this is why i think it's so compelling you're kind of wondering well what's the nature of this creature like it seems both physical and sort of mental or ethereal and you never you never get the answer which i think is actually pretty in this case kind of bold Um, Mm. but once those two things happen, you're you're still a little bit like what's the threat exactly? Like you kind of <laughs> almost want to see something more physical happen to the people there yeah. in the cabin to to hit home to justify essentially their paranoia. Um that's probably one missing thing, but there's no way to really do that without sort of ruining the guessing game you're playing with the creature.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So this this was deliberately a a low budget episode or an attempt at a low budget episode. I don't think it actually worked out because they had to build a complex set for the right. uh, for the for the main cabin. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I did not mention in my summary that the pilots had died, um, which adds a little sort of extra menace to it. But also uh, they die of extonic radiation, which is the threat. Only ever right. time we've heard about it in Doctor Who is on this one planet. Extonic radiation. Artron um, energy, I'm sure. Indeed, but they also have that moment where the pilot sees something that we never see. Yeah. which is very. And I rewound. Episode-y.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I looked. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have any of that. I wish they'd had just a hint of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the kind of thing you would have to rewind to see. And arguably, like everything's twinkling, right? Maybe it was one of those things. But um, maybe the fact, all fact all that you the
0: rewound, dialogue. the fact that you rewound, meant that that sort of that dialogue did its job. To make yeah. you unsure of yourself, did I say anything? Um, totally, I kind of like that. So we should we shouldn't go much further without giving major props to Leslie Sharp, mm. who is the actress who plays Sky Silvestri, who is the character that's taken over by this creature, because it's all about her. I and mean, if she had not done her job well, this entire
1: episode would have collapsed. Yeah, because you have to believe the menace. Yeah. Yeah, man, really, really man. well cast. I mean, just her look, honestly, like her eyes. Mm. Like it's so much. She has to say so much with her eyes in so many scenes. Um, she's really good at that. Well, she's got great eyes. Yeah, like, she's, she's got wise. great eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like she says they're they're big, uh, but she's clearly knows how to be so expressive. Um, she She's very like she makes so many good choices about her before she's taken over and after um there's there's this interesting dialogue that i honestly didn't I, i'll confess i didn't pick up on in an explicit way i had I actually watched the dvd commentary and mm-hmm. she she's a little weird and she's a little off and she's clearly the most vulnerable from a emotional perspective um and in the commentary um davies explains or in the way he explains things which is to say maybe Maybe Mm -hmm. this is the thing it's not Mm -hmm. in the story, but maybe she's suicidal, which is to say she mentions at one point before she's taken over. I'm on a, I'm on a schedule and why, you know, why would you be on a schedule? You're on vacation and this is a thing that goes, this is a craft that goes out in the, some valley somewhere and you don't really know Yeah, well, you might know when you're coming back, but it's like, I, I don't know why you'd be on a schedule here. So yeah, maybe she, she was planning staying,
0: to kill herself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on
1: the, 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 uh, what was it called? The waterfall of sapphires. I mean,
0: not a bad place, I guess if you're going to do it, but hmm. yeah, it is interesting. She uh, should be going back to the pleasure palace, but she's had this breakup. Um, where her girlfriend slash partner has moved to another galaxy. So she's definitely (laughs) fragile. So she has to play fragile, but then she has to do this extraordinary thing after repeating everything everyone's saying, which is super freaking annoying and definitely makes you feel like there are kids in the room. And you're kind of worried at that point that kids are going to watch this and then just be insufferable. Right for the next yeah. hour, they're going to repeat everything. <laughs> but then there's the extra twist of she starts saying stuff at the same time as everyone, and this just from a technical standpoint required. Uh, I believe there were multiple, uh, you know, uh, teleprompters set up in front of her so that she could read everyone's dialogue at once when they were all talking at once.
1: Yeah, and I then think something like that. Yeah,
0: but. It's mostly her and David Tennant having to say stuff at the same time. So they had to practice like crazy. Like that was the most effort in this episode. And Mm -hmm. and Tennant has said that the absolute worst part of that, that the part that they just, you know, spent days getting right, was saying the square root of pi to 30 digits. Something like like that. They have to say it at exactly the same time. So they have to be looking in each other's faces. They have to be following Uh, when they're breathing, like, you know, you have to watch the mouths. I mean, it's super complicated acting,
1: and she makes it look easy. Right, and I think um, Tennant even says in the commentary that he he did the memorization over um, breakfast one time, and he (laughs) thought, okay, I've got this. But then he realizes that it not only does he have to say it, he has to say the exact same timing with the exact same tone and the exact same intonation. Mm. um and they they do things to cheat some of that like certainly in the sort of shot reverse shot scenes like the person who's in the foreground is is not doing it like they're miming and they're looping it in later and then there's a lot of, there was a lot of sound editing in post yeah and as you could tell like of, of making that work and um but it's like as, as sort of a technical uh stroke of genius that they pulled off here again like I the hats off to it and mm-hmm. it's, it's, again, one of those things you rewind for, because there's the bit where she switches from being slightly behind them to being like at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, for because you, you're not, you're kind of listening for it, but then you're like, oh, she's not saying anything. And then you're like, wait a minute, she was yeah. saying it. And you rewind. Well, maybe she wasn't. Did they miss it? Nope. It's all it in does. there.
0: It sounds like a Doctor Who audio effect, because we're so used to monsters in Doctor Who that sound like they're kind of double tracked, right? Right, Exactly. So you think it's that at first because your brain, your Doctor Who brain is attuned to that kind of noise. Um,
1: But before we leave, it's a such a simple idea, honestly, like this is what really it works so well. Like, I mean, it's obviously was much more complex to execute than I think Mm. probably Davies thought, but it pulled it off. But the whole idea of like it's it's. Terrible! It's terrifying in this instance, but like, why does it affect us at all? And I sort of started thinking about this, and aided a little bit by the commentary, which is that you, if you repeat something, like, why is it annoying in the first place, and why why does it bother us so much? Is it it, it it's kind of taking the power away from your words because there's something yeah. inherently mocking about just repeating what someone just said. There's something and, inherently mocking about repeating
0: what someone's just said. <laughs> sorry now now at the same time no um i just want to say something before we leave leslie sharp uh i think leslie sharp is one of the reasons why it's super creepy that the randomizer brought us here because Hmm. and uh it's it this is going to be a story about my first point of contact with rtd but it's so not name dropping because he is talking to literally everyone on instagram right now um (laughs) But anyway, Leslie Sharp was Rose, the first Rose. Oh. Did we know there was a first Rose? There was a show that Russell T Davies did called Bob and Rose in 2001. Interestingly enough, it sort of got, it didn't get a lot of uh, attention because it was, um, it basically <laughs> was on against 9-11. Um Oh, well, in in the schedules, I was play um, mob, so. <laughs> no. So it didn't get all the attention that it should have done, but it did win lots of awards. It was a lovely romantic comedy, and Leslie Sharp played Rose in that. Um, by the way, again, we didn't yet mention that Billy Piper is seen on on mm. the screen, uh, mouthing Doctor. But uh, should have. So there were a pair of roses in this episode. A pair of roses in this episode it's fantastic, and be Russell be T. He Davis. Can, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That was almost at the same time, and and entirely accidental, which is spooky. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so RTD is doing this thing on Instagram. Where he's going through all of the shows that he's participated in. Um, right, so I think exactly it's his thirtieth anniversary of, of of writing for TV. So he's he's doing thirty shows that, that he's been part of, and um, one of them was Bottom Rose, and uh, and that one I commented because he said that it was now on BritBox, and it's hmm. not on. I couldn't find it on BritBox, so I commented Not on
1: American Britbox.
0: <laughs> yeah turns out there is a difference which now yeah. I know is this is only a recent thing that BritBox has launched in the UK as well. so uh, so he responded uh. to me almost instantly with like the original comment and then with the the next comment so saying ah you know <laughs> oh okay, sorry about that. It's, it's, <laughs> Let me make
1: some calls, Chris. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. So if you can watch Bob and Rose on BritBox and you're you're in the US, you are welcome. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: I've been long to see that. But the fact that, that the randomizer would then, in our next episode, take us to the only Doctor Who story with Leslie Sharp in it, with a pair wow. of roses, for its first RTD story kind of feels a little little spooky, right a little weird yeah
1: that's wow that's a very compelling and elaborate theory as to why the <laughs> randomizer brought us here and yeah. totally blows mine out of the water because I was just <laughs> like well, we were in a the green death where one of the key plot elements is a sapphire crystal and this one is about a I guess a mountainside that has a diamond mountainside <laughs> that has sapphire crystals coming down a waterfall. I'm like hmm, sapphires, yeah. That's what yeah. it is. I just like Both. jewelry. I, no, I like yeah. that. When,
0: when when I saw you, you say that in our notes before the show, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's actually a great connection with the Green Death. This is like Metabilis 3, but cheaper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't. We don't have to pay for any sapphires, even, even fake ones.
0: You know, the cheapness of this episode cannot be underrated. And I want to talk briefly about one of Donna's two appearances in this episode, which is right at the beginning. Right. You see her holding a purple... Handset, which is supposed to be a phone, but no one had even told her that it was supposed to be held the other way around because (laughs) you can see at the bottom of it, it's clearly got a little whatever they those pre Ethernet jack things were. Yeah, phone jack. I think they're just called a phone jack. Yeah, Yeah, it's just just just, you know, and you can see it quite clearly. And she's only in this for like two freaking scenes, maybe. Isn't Maybe by this fault, point, they had, they had an
1: actress a phone. She's just going to hold it. How it's like supposed to be held. Yeah. Like she's not, not her over. fault.
0: Not oh. her fault. Catherine Tate. I would not blame you for anything, especially as she was filming turn left at the same right. time, which is the true glory. And of course, midnight is kind of forgotten these
1: days, but turn left is adored. Um, well, it's kind of weird because, like, the handset. I mean, I guess they must have painted it because I don't think there's that many purple handsets. <laughs> so, like, I kind of like, why would you even do that? Like, it feels so much like an afterthought. Like, it if does you're look, gonna do a it looks future, very British. I gotta yeah, say, yeah, you're gonna do do a future. Like, honestly, that's the moment that probably takes you out of the episode the most because yes. it's clearly like a handset and. Yeah. You, you couldn't just go to the prop the vault mm-hmm. and just grab the nearest thing from the last sci-fi thing. Like I, 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 I it just stuns me that they, no one thought like we should, we should make this look a little more futurey. Yeah. It's very or weird. Just
0: stick like a freaking Bindi on the side of her head and have her press it. Like, you know, make it <laughs> like some sort of future phone thing that they have all been issued with in this, in this spa. But yeah, that's, that's not age. Well, definitely takes you out the episode.
1: Yeah. Um, um. But what are you going to do? But I, yeah. I did like the the hotel stuff. I mean, in other words, like I like kind of the idea that there's like a pleasure palace mm-hmm. in a like super inhospitable place. Like it just sounds really a little bit like aristocratic and like this is what rich people in the future do. I'm a little almost a little surprised the doctor and Donna kind of wanted to come because it seems like this kind of thing that is such a vanity project. Let's just I put something of- here. I kinda like
0: that it kind of seems like a like just a, t- a crap tourist location. Right. Uh which is sort of the origins of it. Like RTD wanted a space bus. Like not a space train. Like we don't get the glitz and glamour of, you know, uh mummy on the Orient yeah. Express.
1: I was just thinking, yeah. Right. Or or the Titanic. Yeah. yeah. That, that, he actually yeah. even says bus. in the commentary, this is kind of a reaction to Voyage of the Damned, which yeah. which was that super ritzy that, that was the metaphor, right? It's all Titanic's always a metaphor, but it's like um the, the metaphor for the 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 class uh, system of being like oh mm-hmm. this is like a, a a vanity project for some b- space billionaire um but this is i guess kind of the opposite even though you would think it's like super exp- <laughs> like a very hard thing to do and putting a, a a hotel here in this very inhospitable planet
0: i i kind of like it because it's the kind of thing where you imagine that the the marketing would just sell it but then you get there and it's just not as great as you think it's going to be in the sort of these crappy bus tours. And you'd you'd rather just do what Donna does and just do some sunbathing under this vast glass dome, which is a little sad come to think of it. Um, but yeah, the doctor's like, Oh yeah, cool. Brilliant. Yes. I'll go on this crappy bus tour. Um, but you can imagine the brochure, can't you, that it's like, you know, take, take her to a planet of diamonds. You know, don't just, <laughs> this holiday season, don't just give her a diamond. Take her to an entire planet of diamonds. And then you get there, it's like, yeah. crappy space bus, we have to put the blast shields down because extonic radiation. We're, we're not even going to show you anything for four hours and you're going to watch this terrible in-flight entertainment. By the way, that that was another point that took me out of the episode is where the hostess puts on all the entertainment at once
1: yeah,
0: and then just sort of leaves it. And I know that's a commentary on how crap the entertainment is on, you know, planes or whatever, in modern transit world or right. the, the modern transit world of the before times. I don't know if you remember plane speed but yeah, they, <laughs> they have crappy in-flight movies. And this and the Crusader 50 has super crappy in-flight stuff because it has like, I think it's Eurovision.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, it takes you out of the episode. Yeah. Cause it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you know, the, you would never do that in any flight anywhere, just mm. have a thing on and have the audio on, right? Like mm. you might have something on at the, you, you would need to give people the option to just kind of be in their own bubble. They uh, just
0: passed out headphones as well. Yeah. So I don't get it. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: but it's obviously a way for the doctor to shut it down so that everyone get talking, which is, yeah. Kind of, you have to get there. I understand. It was a script that was written in a great hurry. By the way, Pete, I don't know if you've you've read the writer's tale, uh, but I highly recommend it because the 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 insight that you get into writing episodes like this. Because for those who don't know, the writer's tale is Russell T. Davis uh, emails back and forth with Doctor Who magazine writer Benjamin Cook, and uh, it's mostly season four of the new show, which is what we're in. And for me, it's interesting because these were episodes that I think kind of suffered. And I don't know if it was sort of that it was RTD's last season, and he was kind of running on fumes. Mm. Or the more I read the writer's tale, the more I suspect that some of the more dubious choices are kind of, it it feels like he knew he was being observed the whole time in the script writing process, and that changed his writing a little bit. I kind of get that sense uh, with the show. So like he had more freedom
1: early on. With season one and two, you think?
0: Well, Ben Cook is definitely lathering on the praise with a trowel for everything that RTD writes. And I wonder if that. And RTD sort of exhibits the classic kind of, oh, really? Oh, do you think so? kind of uh, thing that writers do because we're all super, you know, neurotic uh, mm-hmm. about our own work. Uh, so I think that maybe, yeah, it just didn't give him enough time to
1: do redrafts enough of just mm. to redraft his own stuff and you think yeah. that would have fixed things like the in-flight entertainment and bits yeah. that were like yeah I, I hear what you're saying it is it's definitely a contrived thing to get the doctor to get everyone talking um you could have sort of i think with a few more drafts figured it out so that everyone was in their own bubble and that wasn't fun either and mm-hmm. then he could do something very similar to get them out um or maybe you introduced the threat earlier and the, you know,
0: the, the power goes out and that takes out all the inflated entertainment. And then the door, the doctor's like, Oh, we, we <laughs> should talk. We have to talk now. That's, you know, to keep everyone's spirits up instead of having what you end up with, which is like, they're all super chummy for the first half of the episode. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which makes this contrast that, you know, when when things turn 180 degrees, I think you believe it a little bit less because of that chumminess. But if they were all terrified to begin with, and the doctors just trying to talk them down, maybe that would be more believable when they eventually start to throw them out the airlock.
1: Maybe, but I, I kind of didn't have a problem with them being chummy because uh, some are more chummy than others. Obviously, Jethro is yeah. very like whatever. I'm not. I'm just going to be the my emo kid self <laughs> and, and not do much. Who actually ends up being like way more interesting than a lot of the other people um, in that he sort of can pick up on things really really quickly he's like very smart about picking up on who the doctor is or at least something's wrong with the doctor you um, can
0: definitely tell that this was a script written in a hurry just by looking at the names yeah I mean Biff Biff is the guy <laughs> who takes the lead in throwing the doctor out the airlock really Biff
1: But I I didn't Uh. mind. I thought the chumminess actually worked in that they were were chummy and then not in the sort of idea of like you're showing your true colors now um, Mm. because now like, you know, the, the stakes are higher. Lives are in danger. And the chumminess was really just more to sort of add some sort of dimension and character to everybody. So we just kind of like got to know them and, and care a little bit. That's um, true. And so, it does
0: set you up for this thing that the doctor does seem to do throughout space and time, which is just, he makes friends everywhere he goes. Right. Which is the more I think about this episode, the more chilling it gets that this doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. Right? It's a, it's all uh, it ultimately ends up kind of being a mislead, right? Like that's yeah. kind of what we're getting at, like, oh, this is going to be a by the numbers doctor episode, and he'll figure it out by the end. And it, uh, again, like I said earlier, it just doesn't happen. The uh, complete opposite happens. It all falls apart. Everyone turns against him. Uh, pretty much everyone. And then it takes the smart people. Well, actually, it takes the smarts of Jethro and Dee. Yeah. And the sense of duty from the stewardess, the the hostess, mm-hmm. to to Who doesn't even get egg. a name, by the way. She yeah. doesn't get a name. Oh, that really hits you. That's shame. what I honestly... It's just like that almost like if if i was doubting the episode that kind of put it over the top emotionally for me where i was what what was her name and nobody knew it's just like oh just get to yeah
0: because we don't um but yeah it's interesting there's there's definitely something else going on there with the way that everyone gets paranoid at that point which makes you think that this this monster is manipulating uh motions in other ways because all of a sudden professor hobbs is is shouting at his assistant, Dee Dee, Presas, played by David Troughton. Um yeah. but he, he's suddenly shouting her that, that her work is average at best. I like, know everyone just turns uh, nasty.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's almost like he was dying to say that or something. Yeah. You know, like it's been something he's been keeping in. I like that because I think David Troughton, who by the way is is great and mm. has um, also played King Peladon back in the day.
0: Yeah, he was in uh, son of, with son of his Patrick Troughton.
1: Yeah, um, although the the director Alice Troughton, no relation apparently. <laughs> uh, there's a moment I actually thought, uh, actually wrote in my notes. I had to go back and check it. There's a moment in the commentary where Tenant seems to call David Troughton her uncle, but I think he, he's just joking, like, "Oh, you guys like that's his way of saying you guys have the same last name." Because she did. Yeah. She basically yeah. says no relation a minute later. <laughs> um, but I felt like it, his mannerisms earlier. um, And again, I I think this speaks a lot to the cast and and the good choices they make. I mean, they sort of have a dark side. Like, he's very paternalistic to Dee Dee. He's like, Mm. don't bother the man. And um, he's a little bit dismissive of her. uh, And you kind of chalk it up. He's just sort of an old guy or whatever. Um, But it's clearly masking some um, darker side to him that comes out. Uh, when you know everything becomes uh, a crisis, and that happens with everyone, I, th- I I believed it less with the couple, the uh, Jethro's parents. I forget their names, but Val they were Biff. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Um, they just kind of uh, they're not so not much there when they're chatting. They're just you know fun people, just everyday tourists. It seems like, and then suddenly they're like, okay, we're <laughs> we're we're leading the charge on. Uh, anti doctor party here, and we're just going to be make sure he's he's thrown out, yeah. uh, Yeah, Biff,
0: as one dimensional as he is, definitely makes me think of uh, you know, in the UK, we'd say a Daily Mail reader or like a guy who drives a white van in the US, we might think of him as maybe a um, the kind of guy who would watch Fox News. Um, Mm. definitely get that sense that he's like his pump is primed for paranoia. Unlike his very very common sense kind of dude, yeah, he yeah, might be. but you know, common sense in a way that would make him fall
1: for online conspiracy theories. What did you think? I guess we've seen this before, but did you feel that the air host or that the hostess was going to make um, such a difference at the end? I mean, she—you kind of almost annoyed with her early on because she seems yeah. so oblivious to the um, the in-flight entertainment. That's super annoying. Um, she seems a little bit like annoyed with the doctor and that be, you know, you kind of don't like her. We go, well, we like the doctor. So maybe mm-hmm. we're not supposed to like you. Um, and then she ends up saving the day at the end. Uh,
0: yeah. She's not really developed enough. Is she for that? I mean, uh, you know, she has to be undeveloped somewhat so that people don't actually know her name. Uh, I get the point of that line, but yeah, we, we could have had something more out of her. Like she's obviously wrestling with her question of, of duty and safety, duty of care to her passengers. We don't we don't get much insight into that because there's not a lot of space for it, which is unfortunate. And it's interesting that I didn't remember any of the details of this episode. Like I just knew that there was a bunch of stuff going on inside a ship. Right. And it was a little bit creepy. And I didn't remember any details till so I watched it again. So it kind of flattens out in the memory. Um but yeah she she could have been so much more and it's kind of a shame by the way she does also say several times was it ladies and gentlemen and variations thereof right Which is very um i wouldn't say that that's ahead of its time right it's it's very 2008 <laughs> that you could still sort of make a joke about that it's not it's not like making it it's almost saying you know and and alien versions haha which by the way it's weird that there were no aliens Right? Isn't it because then they're, they're all human, and they're very much dressed in in twenty twenty first century, early twenty first century, late twentieth century gear, which is weird. And they sort of realize that the doctor isn't human at one point.
1: Or and they seem surprised. Suggest, yeah, and, uh, there's no blue people at all in this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's honestly like uh, I I don't think it ruins the episode, but it is a bit of a nitpick if you're a, a fan. Where you're like, there's also the reference to. The, uh, the galaxy like someone went to another galaxy mm. and this sort of mm. to my mind pegs it in the far future and again there's no date given so it probably is or it could be but I know you know some of the uh, guides put this in like the 27th century mm. and that you know in Doctor Who world continuity that seems a little earlier to be galaxy hopping
0: yeah they, um, they just happen to be going through a period of the far future where early 21st century fashions are just out of this world, man. And I guess, you know, yeah, people, all, all slide professors, slide projectors. Projectors. <laughs> <Rolled rage. laughs> yeah, the professor at one point, which mentioned does a whole, you know, uh, basically bores everyone to death with the sort of his discourse on, uh, the planet of midnight and why it's so incredible. Um, with with the slide a, projector and he makes DD do the, the next slide please thing. Like, you know, we don't we haven't even advanced the point of remote control slide projectors.
1: <laughs> and what what happened to Google Slides? What what what's, what's, really? you know, what's gonna happen to all my slides in the cloud? They're all gonna have to download <laughs> them at some point or just gonna lose them all because apparently they're not accessible by um in the twenty-seventh century. Yeah, yeah,
0: I guess all the the money that they meant to spend on these futuristic costumes just went into that amazing uh, phone prop uh, for Donna
1: um, at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently, okay, so other details in this episode, the bus is called the Crusader 50, which is a reference to this being the 50th episode of the new series, which it is not, actually. It is is not. It was the 50th
0: one as shot. Right. But then they moved it around with uh, Forest of the Dead. Uh, no, is it Forest of the Dead? No, Day of the Moon? Yeah, no, that's
1: right. Yeah, Silence of mm. the library and follow Forest of the Dead. Forest of the yeah. Dead, yeah. And- uh, so they moved,
0: But it was the 50th to be shot, and that's why it's not called the Crusader 5, uh, which was RTD's original idea. I think he was going for a Galaxy 4 kind of feel. Uh, so the oh. space bus was originally called Crusader 5, and then Ben Cook is like, wait a minute, it's the 50th. Uh, you know, you have to make a crusade of
1: fifty. And is like great, okay. Uh, which is I just wonder, like, is that is that a job on TV shows like Doctor Who? That like the script's done, the story's here. Now, what what are the references we can make to <laughs> something that happened in the past? Or... That should be a job. Yeah, because yeah. I want continuity
0: that nerd. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm in, Russell. Uh, I guess it would be yeah, it is Russell again. Uh, <laughs> Russell, I am available. With my uh, near encyclopedic knowledge of the show to <laughs> toss out things you could make reference to in scripts. Just
0: Pete, just just, just, it up there. just DM him on Instagram. He's replying to everyone.
1: Oh, man. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even tried. I got to do that. Um, but that's that's an interesting little tidbit on this one. Other couple tidbits, which is very the TARDIS is never shown, which is a very yeah. rare thing, actually. It's uh, it, apparently up until this point, it had not happened since the genesis of the Daleks, which... It makes me want to go back and <laughs> check that I have it, uh, but sounds sound it sounds wrong, but I guess it's right. I gotta trust this one, um, right? You'd think that they, you know. but I
0: guess it's you know it's always seen like it, it, at the very least on a cliff top or something, and the implication right. they've been walking away from it for
1: hours. Um, Certainly not all of them have the TARDIS interior, but not seeing the police box at all, yes. uh, very rare. And it was Um, the
0: first, but not the last, to not feature a monster. I think it was probably done more successfully in Listen, right? Right.
1: That would be the other one. Yeah, Listen would be definitely one of them. But it's the very first episode not to show the monster. Any episode that has a monster Mm. has at some point shown the monster, or at least part of the monster. Have there Uh, been any other, or is it just Midnight and Listen? That's a good question. I'd have to think. Um, Mm. I don't think so someone write Mm -hmm. in someone tell us
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's interesting and again you know a decision forced by cheapness but forces you into an interesting place where you don't see the monster and you have to guess a lot of things about it i kind of like that
1: and i think that's a really good choice um particularly the reveal when a sky is turned away from them um Mm. which is you know you're just wondering like what's happened to her like what's she going to look like? And it, they, they really stretch it out. And she sort of very slowly, her hands come away from her head and she starts to turn and it's, it's like painfully long, like what, what, what? And then she just <laughs> looks up and you're, you're kind of almost looking, f- you're looking for it, right? Like, are, uh, wait, are those her eyes? No, those are her eyes. <laughs> you know, like, mm. you're like, <laughs> there's no contacts. There's nothing. There's no scar. Well, she's, she's just certainly,
0: there. and it's just, it's again, the, the, the wonderful, uh, acting here by Leslie Sharp that she just, the only way you know something is different is that she's gone from lamenting her life and being the most miserable passenger on board to something almost like a smile, but it's kind of, it's malevolence
1: yes. I think is the word for it that she conveys so well with just a look. Yeah. She does it incredibly well. Um, and so this is um, such a tight little episode Ah, uh, very simple in idea mm. that it was actually adapted into a stage play. Yes, in Australia, I believe. Um, yeah. I, so I'm, I'm. I'd, I'd love to see it. Like, I mean, that's probably over now, but I, I could see why they did it. It's definitely conducive to it. How did they do the words? Right, like the 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 sound editing was so mm. on point for this. Uh, I guess in a stage play without the ability to rewind, you can't and, and a little more forgiveness on the part of the audience, you could mm. you could just kind of go with it. But I gotta say, that must be like I'm sure incredibly nerve-wracking to a cast that they gotta not just memorize these lines, but just really yeah. be on point with the syncing with your castmates on stage. Um, that would be great.
0: I mean, whoever plays The Doctor and whoever plays Sky really have to rehearse the crap out of it, right? More than ever, yeah. anyone else put together. Uh, and if they do that, if you get those t- two actors to rehearse like crazy every day, which you kind of have time to do for for, for, for a play more so than a TV show, mm-hmm. right? So, I could see that working and being kind of, kind of chilling in a theater setting. If they have it down so they can just say the numbers of pi, the square root of pi
1: to each other, uh, that would just... That would send a chill through the audience. So. Well, you have have some license to get you know adapt things differently for the stage, mm. so they could indeed instead do a recipe for pie.
0: <laughs> throwing that out there. Yeah, it doesn't matter what he says. He's. I mean, it's nice that it, it adds stuff like uh, "You're a very handsome, Doctor." Oh, thank you, I am. Which is a perfect thing for tenant <laughs> tenants, Doctor, in particular, to say because he is a little vain. Uh, it's kind of a continuing uh, thing with his doctor. Um, So, but yeah, you're right. It could be anything as long as they get it in sync. I'm kind of thinking of like the Everly brothers here. And uh, it's also a trick that Simon and Garfunkel copied from the Everly brothers, which they were able to watch each other's mouths so constantly that they were perfectly in in sync when they were singing. So that almost sounded like it was one voice singing. Mm. Um, But it is a thing you can do on stage. If you, if you're, you know, uh, attuned enough to another person's mouth, so you can mm. just get that perfectly in sync with them. That it sounds harmonious.
1: Someday, someday I'll get there, Chris.
0: <laughs> someday we'll get there. Do you think, by the way, one one last word on the on the words and the use of the repeating words? Do you think that this episode would scare a child, or might be designed to scare a child out of doing? the word
1: repeating thing? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think so. <laughs> I think it would actually <laughs> probably inspire them to do
0: it because... Well, that's the thing. It's like, should we recommend this as a thing to put on? If your kid is doing the annoying thing of repeating everything you say, if they're going through that phase, should you put this on? Because it yeah. is a little bit chilling at the end when Donna does it, and the doctor's like, no, don't.
1: Yeah. Just yeah. Don't. Uh, well, I say this, I, w- I watched this episode as I'm doing lately with my son. Uh he's mm-hmm. 12 now. So yeah. he's a little past, you know, repeating and I don't think he was that freaked out by it. He's seen it before. Um but he he liked it. Um he liked the idea. He's obviously as a kid probably much more around or at least close to in terms of time that that idea of repeating being kind of a thing. um, mm-hmm. um but um yeah I, I i might try it with my eight-year-old at some point if mm. she ever sort of gets into doctor who unless we watch him with her um she's uh i think she would be i think she'd be freaked out by it i think she probably if she were a repeater she'd probably take a break for a bit but then in the same vein mm. as like you know the daleks say exterminate and that's cool and fun to say
0: Maybe Even if it's a little be, scary
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay kids so ultimately maybe they <laughs> want to provoke a bit right they want to have an impact on the world around them because they're just starting to figure that out and if they mm. can which is I think why they do this in the first place yeah. you know like when they're you know really young and they think repeating and it it gets a rise out of somebody and that's ultimately what what they want to do they want this attention which might indicate a little bit about the maybe the alien is more of a child here yeah I don't know but one
0: that learns fast Maybe so, maybe it would inspire your channel to go to the next level and try to sync up with what you're saying. Hmm. Uh, So, maybe it would just take that urge and point it in a more creative direction.
1: Nice. If they did that, I would give them a raise in their allowance. <laughs> you heard it here first, kids. Oh my goodness! I hope they,
0: they <laughs> I hope you hope they don't listen to this episode. Like can raise
1: this episode. <laughs> oh, I've set myself up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just, just cut that line out. You'll be fine.
1: All right. We're well, now just talking Chris, about
0: something that never happened.
1: <laughs> what, what do you think would have happened here if the evil plot had succeeded? The doctor would have been thrown out of the airlock. This <laughs> is an easy one, right? <laughs> easy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because he, you know, he only he's only holding on by his foot, and it, it is a really chilling scene. By the way, the look on David mm-hmm. Tennant's face—he definitely sells the notion that this is some of the worst trouble the Doctor has ever been in.
1: Yeah, he really delivers it. Um, yeah. Like he, he really looks like he's ill in in the last few scenes where he's repeating after um, Sky mm-hmm. and that the creature. And you know, he it's almost like he's almost like kind of having a stroke, honestly. Yeah. Like he's he's like, I, I I'm alive and I I have my brain still, but I cannot communicate. I can't say anything to anybody to which is to the indicate doctor's
0: the doctor's worst nightmare to yeah. have his voice taken away. Um by the way, oh <laughs> can I just uh bring up a plot hole here that I thought of towards the end of the episode. Why does he not use the psychic paper on the passengers?
1: Oh, like he's used sort of give it. Give him some more authority. Exactly. He's
0: used it on the driver, he's used it on the engineer. Why not use it on the passengers? Because there's he a even,
1: whole Yeah. He 10 even for a stretch. second flashes it to the hostess. Yeah. Uh, which might might indicate why she isn't as gung ho mm, to throw mm-hmm. him out. Um yeah, Although she is still t-
0: suspicious of him for, for buying his ticket at the last minute. That's that's the thing that, that sort of oh, dooms him in her eyes. Uh, but yeah, he could have flashed the psychic paper pe- uh, people. I guess you could just say that the doctor forgets about it. It's part of his hubris that he thinks he can always talk his way out of a situation. Mm. Um, he doesn't know he's going to get his voice taken away from him. So yeah, there you go. I've just solved my old plot hole. Yeah. Um, there it is. But if the doctor is thrown out, that's the end of the doctor, right? Because you gotta figure the extonic radiation would not just exterminate him, but all of his right. other regenerations.
1: He, he could regenerate out of that one. That's that's a dead dead for yeah. sure. So that's the that his time would end right there. Um, wouldn't it be so shocking if they just sort of
0: made this the last episode of Doctor? <laughs> 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 and then you could still have turn left. Right. Just like a perma turn left.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Oh wow. Yeah. And then it's kind of like you you just it's suddenly Torchwood Miracle Day forever. Yeah. Um Yeah. That could happen. Wow. Wow, that's, that's a that's, that's dark. a dark twist.
0: <laughs> but it would be kind of an appropriate way for the doctor to go if the doctor had to go.
1: Is well yeah, it's definitely the lead up to it where all mm. of his um power so to speak like which is again mostly through words Mm. mostly for his himself his cleverness that he insists he is uh throughout this episode i'm clever i'm clever i'm clever and it's not helping you this is the Mm. one time it doesn't work doctor and it's your it's finally your one bad day actually
0: that that would make it a really interesting stage play if you change the ending yeah you could surprise people by, first of all, surprise people by changing the ending. People who think they know Doctor Who in the theatre, like, no, you don't. Actually, he gets thrown out at the end, and maybe you have some sort of scene with Donna afterwards, or uh, you you have some other way of sort of delivering the play's message of like this. Mm. This is about the doctor's the day of the doctor's ultimate hubris that yeah, killed wow. him.
1: Right. Midnight, aka the end of the doctor. <laughs> um, yeah. and then you kind of like you kind of wonder a little bit about then what what does the creature do? What happens? Mm. I guess it uh, does it go on switching around and draining people? Um, can it spread? Can it reproduce? We honestly just don't know enough about it mm. to have any idea. We it's it's hard to even speculate. Um, like uh, the a comparable story. Which, um, very different in some ways, but, you know, the claustrophobia is very similar, is the thing. Mm. And in the thing, you you get enough to know, like, this thing will, like, to have some picture in your head of what happens should it get out of this uh, Antarctic, this claustrophobic environment, mm-hmm. um, which, which is a good motivator of like stakes of establishing stakes. Whereas this time it's really more about the people and the doctor. It's it's not really about that. It's not really but um so it's less fun to even think about, you know, like, oh, what would happen if the creature got out? Well, I guess it would just be out. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and doing this thing. The the again multiple and again. human
0: galaxies are terrorized by an epidemic of people repeating other people's words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and throwing people out of airlocks. But suddenly that becomes a, a thing. And if
0: this if this did happen, and remember, we we are in the RTT season where everyone on Earth becomes the master. But if everyone on Earth just sort of started repeating everyone else's lines, I think you would have nuclear war within the week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who would be saying the lines of? Everyone's repeating. There's no one actually yeah. saying the original line. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be ha- after half the world. That would be like that. that blood... Control thing they were doing. I don't know. We're getting a little, little tangented on the tangent here. Um, I'm just sort of figuring, you know, the, the president
0: at his lectern, just repeating the reporters' questions back to them. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of, kind of Trumpian. Like totally.
1: <laughs> Where um, were you? Where were you?
0: <laughs>
1: why don't you say? Why don't you say? Mister President. Mr. president. <laughs>
0: Someone should oh, try God. it. Maybe maybe get a pull bump out of it. I don't know. Who knows? People seem to like annoying now. I mean, please. it would go
1: viral. It <laughs> sure would. All right. Our oh, other... I, so, this is a challenge, almost. I almost think it doesn't apply, but it might be a challenge for us. Um, where's Clara? Where's the Clara Where Splinter Where's the Clara
0: episode? Splinter in the episode? I actually have an answer for you. You do? Okay. I think... I think, is a little bit of headcanon, mm-hmm. that the Clara Splinter... Uh, handed a novel or something to the stewardess like a few days before this happened, Uh, something or made her watch a movie or something where she has in her notion, in in her head somewhere, the notion of self-sacrifice, right? Mm. That it's more prominently the Force. So she's more willing to take the creature out of the airlock and save the Doctor. Um, That seems to me the sort of, you know, we don't really know why the stewardess decided to save the doctor. Like, it's not not entirely clear, especially since she was suspicious of his ticket purchase. Um, But she does it. So that's what's left to be explained,
1: I think, and that's where Clara... Yeah, I mean, the implication is that she has such a strong sense of duty. Mm. Um, But it's just there, right? There's nothing behind it. of Like, well, why would you feel that way? Particularly if you are sort of a a hostess on sort Mm. of a uh, touristy thing in a, you know, everyday, uh, resort facility, I guess, as we were just describing. So that, you know, it's fine as written. It's just like, why, why would you think that? And there's, there's one line from another passenger during, which says exactly that, like, you're the, you're the hostess, you're supposed to protect us. And she's doing it sort of more in a panic and an accusatory mm-hmm. kind of way. And you kind of get the impression She's suddenly reminded in that moment. Oh, yes, that is that is my duty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I have to do. And I like it that definitely... your your theory <laughs> yeah. provides the fuel for that. Like it's like she yeah. she not only like there's something about why she joined the job that she's yeah. reminded of right before this in a very strong way, and therefore that enables her to make that sacrifice. I like it. Wow.
0: Yes. Yeah. Nice. Maybe, maybe Clara was was you know the Clara Splinter is another hostess you mm. know, on, on this bus line. Uh, she works on Crusader 49 and uh, <laughs> they, they spend a lot of time in the break room talking about what would you do if nice. <laughs> she well, brings up this whole, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: damn, burned another souffle. Hey, what, what would you do if there was a monster on your <laughs> bus?
1: <laughs> just thinking, just thinking. Yeah. About <laughs> Remember six seconds. Remember that. Yeah. Remember the airlock. Six seconds. Yeah, yeah. I don't know Just, why you need to know, but you should know that. Sort of feels important. Yeah. Um, all right. I think I think we may have talked midnight to death. Uh, okay. well, it's, it's definitely it's, past midnight. Um, uh, <laughs> so ah ding. Um, it's time. Well, is it, hold on. Did uh, did you did you like this one? You, was it a Dalek? Oh yeah, it's a Dalek for me. I think it
0: gradually became a Dalek for me. I think that initially it was kind of an overrun because I got to the end of it. I was like, is that it? And I've kind of initially agreed with RTD's thin conceit worry. Mm -hmm. Um, But the more I've thought about it, especially this this notion that it sort of gets at the doctor's hubris and his sort of belief that everyone can be his companion. And it kind of reminded me of of Night of the Doctor, which we were just Mm. talking about a few episodes back along with Day of the Doctor. Yeah, sure. yeah, it, which is maybe the only other time in the Doctor's history that this happens. Although it did also happen in the God Complex. And actually, come to think of it, the randomizer is taking us through a lot of episodes that involve companion insecurity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? True. Because God Complex had that, you know, and it had the, the whole issue of Amy and Rory, you, you're not leaving, I fired you, or something, you know, right? <laughs> and that, that sort of the Doctor running away from Joe. And from that situation and being super jealous of losing Joe and the end of the green death, um, this is, yeah, this definitely, we're we're seeing a theme here. Hmm. Um, So, so I like that uh, the more that I've thought of, this was a slow burn for me because it kind of sat in my brain for a day. And the more I thought about it, the more a Dalek stalk sprouted out of its head. (laughs) (laughs) So it became a Dalek for me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to hear. I, as I was thinking about it in, um, in the context of other other episodes we've done, I, I tend to think episodes with lower stakes mm. I have a greater chance of, of working. Um, like when you set yourself up for all of time and space or um, the whole galaxy or the Earth Empire or whatever being destroyed, you're kind of... It's almost too abstract, but I really like... Uh, some of those work, but a lot of them mm. fall short. Whereas things like the androids of tara for example and i would say even right. the god complex which i found very interesting and this one where it's really the the stakes are more are certainly much more local but also have more to do with the the fundamentals of the characters we tune in to watch every week um mm-hmm. and challenge those things i think they're really 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 good um so this one you know it, it definitely uh i liked it the first time i liked it this time mm-hmm. um and i liked it researching it thinking about it more this time particularly like oh that was not just that was a scare and that was interesting just as you said getting at the doctor and his who he is and how he tends to get through episodes and completely flipping that around I really very compelling idea
0: definitely definitely uh a
1: a, and perhaps a buried gem
0: sitting so next and no so near to turn left as it does um a, a Very Jem
1: sliding down the hillside <laughs> of the waterfall. I see what you did there.
0: <laughs> I set that one up for you,
1: Pete. Uh, but
0: speaking it, of speaking of challenging, uh, do mm-hmm. we before we activate the randomizer? Do we want to issue the randomizer with a challenge?
1: Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and I'm going to say it. Give it, it, give it to me, guy. I want an ironic twist. <laughs> I want something like. Oh, last week was Christmas. Well, here's your Christmas episode it open. <laughs> yeah. How do you like gonna... that? Or wait a minute, it's Christmas in July, or I don't know, <laughs> something like that.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna do issue it the challenge that. of give me give us another RTD episode. Oh. I feel like we need something to compare this against. And nice. there's so much RTD in in Who History that we haven't gone
1: to yet. That works. So, I love like yeah. it. I'm feeling I'm feeling good about my chances. Me too. Once again, everyone, this is the randomizer we're talking about. In case you're uh, new to pull to open, this is the thing we turn to to tell us where we're going in the yes. whole Doctor Who mythos. Um, and
0: something very special and new about the randomizer this week: For, we had a we have our codex, mm-hmm. uh, which is the the list of complete Doctor Who stories that we that we want to watch as discrete stories. Slightly different from the official list. It's in the show and notes. All in the show notes. You can check it out Should yourself. Be. But until this week, it had the number 297 as the latest number that we could go to. And it is oh. now 298 because Flux is over. Boom. Flux is in the books. Wow. Flux, Flux is, is officially a story. A, yep. It's officially did, did you, here. i, I got to ask you, Pete. Did you catch up?
1: Did you watch it? I'm only, no. <laughs> if we roll 298 on our 298-sided die here, I will be watching it for the first time. Um, yeah okay. uh, I mean, I've, I've seen the first two episodes, so I've seen the Sontaran episode, and I'll certainly save my thoughts for when when we talk about it. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm only a third of the way into Flux, uh, watching it for the first time.
0: You've, you've just given me my idea for the most awesome Christmas present ever. Is it 298-sided die?
1: <laughs> I think that uh, the 3D printer might <laughs> might explode when you put in that many sides.
0: We should figure out how large that would be. That had to be room-sized, basically. How would that look any different from a ball? <laughs> <laughs> the advantage is it, it would have to be so large that we could print the episode name on, <laughs> on, right. each, on each side.
1: Uh, Just rolling it would take months. Yes. <laughs> like, when's it going to stop rolling? I don't know. To throw it down a crystal waterfall. Um, uh,
0: yeah. Anyway, the only way you can roll it. We do not use 298-sided die. Uh, <laughs> rolling no, down what do we waterfalls? use, Chris? We use random.org because computers are terrible at doing random numbers. They basically use an algorithm to guess at a random number. But random.org uses true randomness. Uh, by listening to atmospheric noise, uh, so uh, which is so doctorish that we had to, mm. we had to use it for our randomizer adventure. It's true so as it gets. I have entered the number one as its minimum and two hundred ninety-eight as its maximum in random.org for the first time.
1: Standing, I have unlocked the codex. It is now ready, ready for input.
0: We need, like, man. Android noises in the background as this happens. Some kind of whirring and clicking. And oh, man. <laughs> clanking. That's a feature upgrade. you know, what I was thinking the other week, we should, like, just put the the, the TARDIS wheezing noise in the background as we do, the, as we count down <laughs> to the <laughs> random.org.
1: Care to order any other sound effects. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's my impression of a All TARDIS right. w- with the handbrake on. Let's do this uh, thing. All right, I'm right give you ready? A countdown.
1: Can, yep. In five, four, three, two, and now. Ninety-three. Ninety-three. We're early. We're early. Sounds we are familiar. at the image of Fendal. Ooh, very nice.
0: That is a complete black box
1: to me. I. That's Baker. Oh uh, yeah, it's Tom Baker. This actually yeah. follows the Invisible Enemy it, it's right after it. So Ooh. we did Invisible Enemy uh, quite some time ago. That was like one of the uh one of our first episodes. That well
0: that was our last actually not random episode type. Right. That was before, before we, we installed
1: the randomizer into the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so
0: it's taken us back. It's taken us home.
1: Yeah. Uh in an ironic twist. <laughs> totally <So> I guess <laughs> yeah, I listen to you. It delivered. Yeah, Bishop Adal. I remember this one being super creepy. Um, So it's in the mood for creepy. Yeah, that's that. The the creepy continues, um, and not as much gross creepy as we had with the Green Death. So yeah, that's right.
0: I like it, and it's (laughs) it's listened to our complaints about the God Complex, which was that it was not creepy enough. True, and it's taking us further ever into the center of Gothic horror.
1: Totally. Tom Baker always a treat this is a good time for Baker and a Mm -hmm. good time to listen to pull to open Um, so thank you all for doing that Uh, in case you weren't sure we are a podcast So if you haven't yet subscribed to the program, please do. It only takes a second to hit that button. It also only takes a second to leave us a review or a rating. You can give us whatever kind of review you would like. Uh, We really like those five-star reviews, and they really do help us with our placement on services like Apple. So uh, we really would love it if you could leave us a review. Um, But whatever you're listening on, Spotify, Google, uh, Breaker, uh, uh, Stitcher, whatever you're listening, uh, if your service is... Uh, able to take your review please leave one we'd really really appreciate it and we'll uh, read your review out on the air at some point Mm. Um, please follow us on social media we are always always on TikTok we're all over TikTok we're on top of TikTok like weird creatures in a diamond planet are on innocent hapless passengers that (laughs) want to turn on each other
0: we're on TikTok like David Tennant on Leslie Sharp yeah (laughs) <laughs>
1: we are in sync with tiktok absolutely uh, we're at pull to open on tiktok and we're also on twitter and instagram putting stuff on those channels uh, as often as we can and that's at pull to open 63 we will see you here next time for image of Fendall and have a happy new year oh, and we will see you here next time for image of Fendall and have a happy new year <laughs> alright guys take it easy bye